First, Signs is an awesome movie. Second, I'm convinced that this movie is totally underrated and is actually better than Sixth Sense, this being M. Night Shyamalan's follow-up to that film. Signs is not perfect, but it's still pretty awesome. Okay, now that that's out of the way, we can proceed. Signs was released in 2002 and stars Mel Gibson as Graham Hess, a former Episcopal priest who is actually not gay, who lost his faith after the death of his wife. Hess lives on a rural farm in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, before Pennsylvanians lost their ever-loving minds and voted for John Fetterwoman. The movie doesn't waste any time and gets right into it, which is awesome. Also, I think the pacing of this film is great all the way through. Graham has two children, a boy named Morgan, probably around 10, and a girl named Bo, who is probably around 5. Both of the kid actors do a great job in this movie, and the little girl in this movie is adorable. Also, Graham's brother Merrill moved in with them to help out after the death of Graham's wife. Graham wakes up in the morning to the scream of his daughter. Both Graham and Merrill rush out of the house to see what's going on. As they find Bo and Morgan in the cornfield behind their home, Graham sees a massive crop circle that he attributes to some of his neighbors screwing around with him. But then they see on TV the crop circles begin propping up all over the world. A couple days later, Graham wakes up to Bo staring at him, something every parent has experienced, which is always a little creepy when it happens. She says, there is a monster outside of my window. Can I have a glass of water? We learn through the film that Bo has a thing with water. It's either contaminated or there's dust in it or whatever, leaving half full glasses of water all over the house. As Graham puts his daughter back into bed, he sees a large figure staring at him on top of their barn. He wakes his brother up, thinking the neighbors are screwing around again. So both men are going to run outside, yelling and cursing in order to scare them away. Both men run out the front door in different directions, hoping to catch the men as they reach them around the back of the house. However, as they draw close... Hearing the person and seeing their shadow, what they believe to be their neighbor, jumps up on the roof. A couple of things I love about this movie is that you barely see the aliens at all, which is cool because they're not really the heart of the story. The other thing I love is the way that Shyamalan builds suspense. This scene is a good example of both. After Graham and Merrill hear whoever they were chasing on the roof, they then hear whatever is on the roof jump into the cornfield, some 50 feet away from them. After Graham contacts the sheriff to let her know what had happened, but he couldn't really tell her much, she concludes that they can't really be sure what happened or who it was, but encourages him to take the kids into town to get them out of the house. He does, and Morgan goes to the local bookstore and buys a book on UFOs and aliens. Later, as Graham is looking at the book with Morgan and Bo, he sees a picture of what looks just like their house with a dad laying in the yard with two children and a UFO shooting rays into the house starting it on fire. Just then, the phone rings and Graham answers. It is the guy who fell asleep at the wheel killing his wife while she was out for a walk. Graham goes over to the guy's house and knocks, but then notices that the furniture is all messed up inside the house as he peers through the window. Graham walks around the house and sees the guy just sitting there in his car. Graham walks over to see what's going on. The guy tells him that he's been planning to call him for six months after the accident, but just didn't. 
But when it happened, his was the first number he called. Graham asks him, what happened? The guy then tells him how sorry he is for what had happened and how improbable it was that he hit Graham's wife that night. He just happened to fall asleep at the exact time that he passed Graham's wife while she was out on a walk. He then tells Graham that he was going near water because he thinks that they don't like water, and if he goes inside, do not go into the pantry because he caught one of them, and then drives off. Graham has to see what's locked inside this guy's pantry, so he goes inside and he places a butcher knife under the door to see if he can see whatever it is in the reflection of the knife. As he is looking, an alien hand reaches out from under the door and claws at him. Startled, he then cuts two of the alien's fingers off with the butcher knife still in hand. He then goes home and tells his family what had happened and asks them if they want to go near water, believing that this guy's theory might be true. Or they can all stay home. They all decide to stay home. But fearing some sort of invasion, they board up all of the windows and the upstairs doors, and then all pick what they want for dinner, like it's the Last Supper, or their Last Supper. Graham tells everyone to start eating, but Morgan protests that they should pray first. Graham refuses and begins yelling at the kids. They all begin crying, and the children walk over and hug their dad. Just then, they hear a big thud against the house, and they begin to hear movement on the roof and on the porch and all around the house. They then run into the cellar for safety and are able to barricade the door so that whatever it is can't get in. But then they remember that the house had an old coal chute. As Merrill and Graham look for the coal chute, they find it at the same time that Morgan is standing with his back to an old iron gate. An alien hand reaches out for Morgan, and you hear both men yell as they drop their flashlights. As Merrill finds his flashlight, we see Graham holding his son on his lap, with Morgan having a bad asthma attack. Graham is telling him that they can make it, that they will get through this as he tries to comfort his son. You can tell Graham is wrestling with God and is scared. He told his brother earlier in the film, essentially, that nothing happens for a reason and that everything is just chance. As proof of this, he tells Merrill what his wife's last words were before she died. She told Graham to tell Merrill to swing away, and then concludes that these were just neurons firing in her brain, causing her to remember one of Merrill's baseball games. Merrill used to be a famous minor league baseball player. But as Graham holds his boy, you can tell he doesn't believe that, and is very angry about it. He wants to believe it, but he knows God is real and in control of all things, and he is angry at him, even saying out loud as he holds his son, I hate you. Graham is angry at God because of the loss of his wife, which seemed completely random, and now he is scared to lose his son as well. He gets his son to calm down and fall asleep. Merrill suggests that they turn off their flashlights to conserve the energy. As they sleep, we see a flashback from his wife's death. She was pinned to a tree by a truck, and all of the paramedics concluded that they had no idea how she could still be alive. Graham got there just in time for him to speak to his wife one last time. Graham then wakes up to the radio playing, which is now working. Merrill tells Graham that they are saying the aliens admitted some kind of poisonous gas and killed a bunch of people, but that they figured out how to beat them and that they ran off. 
They then determine to go upstairs because Morgan can't suffer another attack without his medicine, and his medicine is upstairs. And they now think that it's worth the risk because they no longer hear the aliens in the house. Graham carries Morgan upstairs and places him on the couch, and then goes to get the TV for him to watch. As he comes back in the room, there is an alien holding Morgan. Merrill then runs into the room with both Graham and Merrill staring at this alien holding Morgan. It's then Graham remembers his wife's dying words and seeing one of Merrill's record-setting bats hanging on the wall tells Merrill to swing away. The alien then admits a gas from his wrist into Morgan's face before Merrill hit him with the bat, knocking the alien over into one of the glasses filled with water onto the alien. As the water pours out, you see the alien burning. Graham grabs Morgan and runs him outside, while Merrill begins hitting all of the water glasses that are all over the living room from Bo at the alien, killing it from the water. Graham gets outside with Morgan and gives him his medicine. We see Graham saying over and over again that it didn't hurt him because his lungs were closed from his asthma. Morgan indeed survives, his asthma saving him. The next scene we see is months later, with Graham dressed in his traditional priestly garb with black coat and white collar. The end. Does this movie pass the man test? Absolutely. It is suspenseful from beginning to end. There is a great enemy to overcome, but like any great movie, the real monsters that we need to overcome are the ones that we see in the mirror. What about Christian Worldview? This one is easy because the theme of the movie is providence, and Graham's wrestling with that are really the heart of the film. Providence is God's control over and directing of his creation towards his intended ends. What about Christian worldview? This one is easy because the theme of the movie is providence, and Graham's wrestlings with that are really at the heart of the film. Providence is God's control over and directing of his creation. From the least to the greatest, from the smallest to the largest of details, God is sovereign over every aspect of his creation. God's sovereignty is a doctrine with teeth that brings the sweetest comfort but also the greatest pain, as was the case with Graham. Graham knows there is nothing outside of God's control, and yet he is angry at the loss of his wife. It seems so meaningless, and yet by the end of the film, he is able to see that even in something so painful that can make no sense at all at the time, has a purpose in God's plan that is redemptive and glorious in some way. One of the coolest things about this film isn't the aliens. The aliens are just a prop to basically deal with the unexpected things of life. Could there be a purpose in these unwanted intrusions, these things that threaten our very existence? As Martin Luther said, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. Life is not put together with two-by-fours. It is more like an interwoven tapestry, with each thread playing its part into the next. What is wonderful about this film is that it illustrates the magnificence in the small and seemingly insignificant details of life. Obviously, the death of Graham's wife is a major event that gave shape to his life, as well as the aliens, but it was how all of the small details come together by the end of the film— 
Bo's distaste of water, the words of his wife before she died, Morgan's asthma attack at just the right time, Merrill's desire to swing at every single ball they ever had thrown at him. It all mattered, because all of life matters. Does it all make sense? Nope. Not yet, anyway. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. The things that He has revealed are for us and for our children forever. His ways are definitely higher than our ways, and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. As the old song says, further along we'll know all about it. Further along we'll understand why. Like I said earlier, this movie is not perfect, but I love it anyway, and I give it an A.